for the time being there are 20 cases on the docket pending. Uh, it's unprecedented, this number, and out of those 20 cases there are 18 disputes brought before the court. That means that states are bringing um, problems they experience with another member state before the court for a settlement through a binding decision, a judgment, 18 cases, and you refer to a high profile, I suppose you refer to the case brought by Ukraine uh, versus uh, the Russian Federation following the special operation, and uh, the case is going on, um, and uh, the court is currently deliberating on the issue of its own competence. Uh, there were objections raised by the Russian Federation, there was a hearing, and now the court is deliberating. Uh, that's a high-profile case also because uh, that's the first time there were a number of uh, states intervening in the proceedings, not being a party, but uh, intervening to express their positions regarding the interpretation of a specific convention they are parties to. That's in, in this case, that's the Genocide Convention. Thus that's uh, the case is, which is currently dealt with by the court. Uh, it's not about the legality of use of force. I have to state that. I have to underline that. It's about a question of an issue of interpretation of the Genocide Convention. To cut it short, Ukraine is alleging that the Russian Federation used uh, uh, the Genocide Convention as a justification for this special operation. This, that's a very specific uh, issue which is before the court. Otherwise, two high-profile cases are uh, the two I have not yet mentioned, the uh, 18 plus 2, that's two advisory proceedings. That means it's not a dispute which is brought before the court, it's a question, a legal question, which is posed to the court, not by states. States cannot do that, cannot use this procedure, that's through an intergovernmental organization. In this case, that's the General Assembly of the United Nations. And there is one advisory opinion which, was, uh, which is being dealt with by the court dealing with, uh, with Palestine, occupied territory. Um, and also a bit, a few months thereafter, uh, early this year, there was a second advisory opinion on climate change and uh, legal issues relating thereto. This is two important topic. Uh, I have to also to underline once again that the court will not is not called upon to adjudicate on the dispute on the dispute. It's a question on a, a legal question which is posed by the General Assembly in order to assist the General Assembly in reaching uh, any uh, decision, recommendation it would feel appropriate. This, uh, it, it's not the role of the court through this advisory procedure, procedure to settle the, uh, any dispute. Huh? It's not a binding decision. It will give its uh, an advisory opinion, which of course has a uh, authoritative value, which is not binding. Thus, that's to uh, answer your question um, in a nutshell. Um, in uh, 
divided world where multilateralist approaches do not seem to function, the court is handling an increasingly large number of cases. How do you explain this trend? Thank you for uh, asking this question. It's true that uh, uh, there is, um, if I may use this expression, uh, a success of multilateralism uh, multilateralism, uh, when it comes to the court. Since uh, uh, 20 cases, I already mentioned, that is unprecedented. Normally, for the past 10 years, uh, 5 years, the average case on the docket was uh, 15. 14, 15, 16. Now we have reached 20. This we are really moving to a, another uh, situation. And uh, how to explain that? Uh, of course, uh, it shows, and it's uh, a good sign, that uh, states have confidence in the court and are willing to settle their disputes peacefully. That's very important. This, uh, we, we built on this uh, confidence, and uh, I am sure there will be more cases brought before the court. We hear remorse, but nothing is certain, as long as the case is not filed and uh, submitted uh, to, the, to the register of the court. Uh, that being said, I, I should also um, um, express some word of caution in the sense that um, we are, as you say, in a divided world. And uh, the, the court is an organ, is the judicial organ, the principal judicial organ of the United Nations. We need the United Nations. We are part of it. And um, we, we, the court doesn't function in a splendid isolation in The Hague. It's part of the UN. And I mention that because in order to ensure the basic rules of the game. It means the, that the, the use of force has to be controlled, uh, and also that decisions of the court have to be complied with. And for that, you need uh, a multilateral uh, body in order to deal with those questions. This the, the court is very fortunate uh, to have this number of cases, but at the same time, we need strong multilateral order. And um, I have to add that the court is available to all member states of the UN, the 193 member states. But for that, you need the consent. It's only when two states have expressed their consent to bring a dispute before the court that the court is competent. And that is not always so easy. And uh, there are some tools. It's a clause in a treaty. It's a declaration recognizing in advance the competence of the court. Uh, there are some regional treaties, but which date back to uh, the 40s and 50s, no more since then. This, there, there is a, uh, um, a need for a new appetite, uh, a new um, uh, trend towards also the, 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 the possibility to accept the competence of the court in advance. Once there is a conflict, it's always difficult. And therefore, it's always better to try to develop this possibility for, uh, for the court to be competent when, when the landscape is, is quiet. The court is uh, pretty busy, as you uh, as you're saying. Do you think the work of the uh, court is sufficiently known by the general public? Well, that's a good question. Um, 
I would say yes and no, uh, in the sense that uh, there is, I think, a, a well-documented website which is available to the public with uh, many uh, in, um, documents available, information, and also through the UN, uh, references made to the work, to the court, but it's not enough. And I have to say we need to do more. There is no outreach budget in the budget of the court. We don't have one dollar to, to do that. But um, it's important to first to um, explain to states' representatives that there is always this option to bring the matter to the court. That means we need to develop a capacity building program, training program. We have an internship, a fellowship program. Uh, there is the UN fellowship program coming, and there are participants coming every year to the Hague for one month. It's extremely important. And when I'm in New York here, I see uh, the participants in those programs who are actively involved in, in delegations. This, that's, that's very important uh, to develop this knowledge uh, and, and to convince uh, the states that, because uh, behind the states there are always uh, persons, and, and to convince them that uh, to use the court is always preferable than uh, to have other options uh, involving uh, armed force, for example. And for the, the civil society, the public at large, we need also to do better. You know, uh, people on the street will know more about the ICC very often. They confuse the ICC and the ICJ. And um, the message is quite simple. The ICC is judging persons we've committed an international crime, crime against humanity, war crime, genocide, persons, individuals. The ICJ is dealing with interstate disputes. It's true that it's not always so crystal clear, the distinction, because genocide will be committed by a person who can be tried before the ICC, but that can be also uh, uh, unlawful act of a state, and that would come before the ICJ. But otherwise, I think the explanation may be given, and we need to provide more explanation to receive more people, be because ultimately the civil society may be able to convince the leaders that it's always better to bring a case before the court. And just to, to to complete my answer, an example in a recent case submitted by Guatemala Belize, before bringing the case to the court, there was a referendum in each country to see whether the population would adhere to this idea that for a, a territorial dispute, in a sense, uh, a third party, the court could be competent. And it, it was positive, the result. But we, we need this support uh, to show that um, to launch uh, some adventure I, I, I would be always costly in terms of human lives, in, in, in terms of uh, money, because the use of the court is $29 million per year. You cannot buy an aircraft fighter with that, 40% perhaps, but it may solve four cases. You, you need to compare what, what, what can be compared. You said there are currently 20 cases on the docket of a court. Um, 
Do you think uh, the court is able to deal efficiently with this increased uh, workload? Of course. We, 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 we are able to, to deal with, with those cases that, that uh, uh, there is no, no other choice. Uh, and uh, before coming here, uh, the, the preceding week, um, there were two hearings in, in a row on two different instances, on urgent procedure, ones involving uh, Armenia, Azerbaijan, the other one involving uh, Canada, the Netherlands, and Syria. This, uh, the, the court is extremely busy. And as I said, uh, in 10 years, the workload, judicial workload has doubled. In the pi past five years, I would say the, the, the I see an increase of 30% in terms of documents, simply documents which have to be translated from English into French, from French into English, uh, the number of meetings, judicial uh, meetings of the court, the sittings, uh, that has uh, increased and it has a cost, of course. And um, uh, until now, I would say the budget of the court is quite limited. I mentioned $29 million. It has not evolved over the years. The staff members are 117, 10 years ago, 114. Uh, this we, we are for 2024 demanding a slight increase, or, uh, around 2%. It will not be enough to absorb uh, new, uh, the, the, the increased workload. To, to give you an example, in the advisory op opinion on Palestine, there are 57 statements filed during the first round of, of written pleadings. If you compare with uh, Chagos Island, another advisory opinion in 2017, there were 32. It's more or less the double. It means more or less 2,500 pages, which have to be processed, which have to be translated. This we will have to consider uh, an increase uh, for the, 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 the next UN uh, that means 2025. Uh, also, in terms of our uh, conditions or equipment in the host country, in, in The Hague, it's, uh, we are very fortunate to be in The Hague. It's truly the, the city of uh, peace and international justice. Uh, at the same time, we are hosted in a building uh, which has been, which was inaugurated in, uh, in uh, 1913. This more than 100, 100 years ago. And uh, there are some uh, action which uh, needs to be, to be taken. There is asbestos in this building. Uh, it has to be removed and action needs to be taken. Renovation of the building, you know, a building uh, dating back to 1913 has to be modernized. And uh, for the past year, we experienced malfunctions which need to be fixed, which uh, impair the functioning of the court. And there, we, we, uh, we hope that those countries will take uh, uh, positive action and uh, will be energetic in, in, in this respect. But in a, in a uh, few words, in a nutshell, I would say, uh, give us the tools, we will deliver.